Hey there, you're listening to What the Riff? Join us as we remember the great rock and roll hits from a month between 1965 and 1995. We're going to riff on all things about the bands, the members, and the goings-on during that time. We hope to inspire you to find and download the songs you hear today, whether you're fans who forgot about some of these tracks or maybe never even heard them before. Check out our blog at whattheriff.com or follow us on Facebook at What the Riff. Here's a shout out to our sponsors, Monkey Wrench Brewing, the best tasting beer and more fun than a barrel of monkeys. Stanton Electric, a commercial electrical specialist and Marbury Creative Group, a brand development agency that helps companies tell it better. So let's turn up the volume and enjoy this episode of What the Riff? The U.S. Navy shoots down an Iranian civilian jetliner over the Gulf, killing 290. North Sea oil platform explodes, 166 die, and the worst news of July of 1988, the last Playboy Club closes in Lansing, Michigan. Once again, we're in July 1988. This is What the Riff. I'm Wayne. I'm Rob. I'm John. And I'm Bruce. And Bruce brings us this album. What you got, Bruce? All right. Guys, I have just, I have been grooving on this album all week. This is the debut album from Living Color called Vivid. It was a commercial and critical success. It peaked at number six on the Billboard 200 album charts. And I tried to pick one, one or two that you wouldn't have heard I didn't realize that all of the songs that I've picked this time were released as singles. Oh, really? So, even this one, which I hadn't really heard that much. Bruce, when you said you were going to do Living Color Vivid, I mm-hmm. was so happy. Like, yeah. a smile was on my face because I absolutely love this album. It's a cool album, isn't it? It's just I got a great it. sound. So, this is this is Funny Vibe. It's a piece from the earlier days that they did. And... Uh, it, but they, it's been reworked with a more rocking sound. Uh, Living Color was formed in New York in 1984 by Vernon Reed. He's a British guy, and uh, so it's got that British spelling of the, of the band. And these guys, this is Chuck D and Flava Flav from Public Enemy. Oh, really? Really? Yeah. I was sort of getting a big funk vibe, sort of funk rock. Yeah, yeah. Thing here. Don't you like the way that bass is going in the background? I love, I love the slap sound of it, man. Yeah, yeah. That guitar sounds a little bit like Prince to me somehow. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. The song is about racial stereotyping, and this is something that Vernon Reed would have had to deal with in the music industry a good bit. So it's an all-black group, but they're playing rock music. Now, Living Color, I know there was a TV show that came out in Living Color. Did they, did that name kind of come I don't or? think so. I think, uh, okay. I don't think they were connected. I think this preceded the show. It did. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. The show came, I want to say this name, but I mean, good thing. Man, they're rocking. Oh, wait, wait till you get to, to, to two of the other songs. That, if you haven't listened to them much, two of the, two of these songs that Bruce has picked are on my wife's running playlist yeah. so that she listens to every time she runs so you'll be able to pick out which ones they are based off of the tempo so the band was known as vernon reed's living color for the first couple of years and uh it evolved through a number of band members and genres they played a little jazz little punk experimental rock and uh and funk and, and lots of that kind of stuff they finally 
landed on the this lineup for this album, and it was a much more rocking sound that they that they came out with. We had the whole walk this way with Aerosmith and yeah, and, Run and, DMC. Yeah, mm-hmm. you had that come through. So now we kind of had that breakthrough, and now we're doing the funk rock stuff here too. Right, a little bit of rap involved. Well, and it's I, one of these things, you know. They had to deal with a lot of stuff in the music industry, but I don't know that the public really cared that much. You know, one of my favorite groups, the first group I ever heard in concert was Mother's Finest, which was a mixed-race group that played rock music. It's about the music. This is interesting, so it's kind of... Is it done? It's not done yet! (laughs) Dead dead air. This song doesn't display Corey Glover's vocals as well as as this band does. And I'm going to tell you, man, Corey Glover, the, the lead singer of Living Color, has some of the best vocals you'll hear, man. He's got such an amazing range. He does. He does. It's got a great sound. This is Malcolm X. I was. Yeah, yeah. Right down to us in a language that everybody here can easily understand. This is the big, big hit. This is the song that launched them into the stratosphere. You cannot, you can, you cannot stop tapping your feet if you hear this song. Yes. And this is the voice. Corey Glover is an amazing vocalist. So I guess I should tell you the lineup. The, the current lineup on this album was formed a couple of years after the band was formed, and, and it was Corey Glover on vocals, yeah, yeah, Vernon Reed on guitar, Muzz Skillings on bass, and Will Calhoun on drums. And I'm going to tell you this, man. If you ever see their live performances, they absolutely give it their all. They oh, yeah. tear it up. I didn't realize that the, all the members were uh, black. I, yeah. I thought it was a mix. Well, and that's the thing. I think from a from a uh, commercial standpoint, is it good music? That's the thing. I because you don't know what these guys look like. That's right. You know, unless you're really into the band, you hear the music, and the first time I heard this is like, yeah, this rocks. I agree. This sounds to me like Led Zeppelin. I absolutely love the fact that their entire band is black and they're playing absolutely hard rock. Yeah. Yes. I mean, how many how many young artists? How many young black artists get get inspired to play rock by watching them play? Listen to this. It reminds me a little bit of Lenny Kravitz. Yeah, it absolutely is. Yeah, Lenny Kravitz was was is more a little more funky, but yeah. So this came out of kind of a jam session. Reed says it was essentially written in one rehearsal session. Wow. And it's the only song on the album that's credited to all of the band members. Um, The title comes from a report that Nikita Khrushchev wrote about Stalin in 1956 called On the Cult of Personality and Its Consequences. There you go. You don't have too many songs that have Stalin and Gandhi in the same line. Yep. Yeah. They originally had Adolf Hitler mentioned in the lyrics, and they pulled that. Because really? They said, yeah, that might be a little over the top. Listen to that. I mean, that's just... I love it, man. It's, this, so this song's about... Listen to the line. When a leader speaks, that leader dies. 
Yeah. Uh, this, this song is about building up uh, and following one person too much and putting too much weight and too much of your and too much of your trust in one person. Yep. And, and the power they give them can corrupt them. Right. Oh, yeah. That's how the, a cult happens. Hence, cult of personality. Right. Yep. And that's the reason they refer both to true monsters out there like Stalin and, and heroes, you know. Gandhi and and uh, Kennedy and, and all of these guys, where the, the the person becomes more important than the idea. Listen to Vernon Reed on that guitar, man. I mean, tearing it up, man. I assume they got their influence from from Jimi Hendrix. I was gonna say I could I could see that. Absolutely. Well, you gotta remember at the time, at the time you got uh, Guns and Roses tearing up, so you got. Uh, um, Axel Rose, Ax- Axel Rose, Slash. But Slash. This is a this is just straight out of a Slash playbook. Yeah, right but I'm I'm just talking about influence. I'm talking about you know when they're growing up and if they're gonna rock and they're gonna be influenced by a black artist, Jimi Hendrix was the guy. I'm every person you want to be. It's just strong. That's the other thing I like about this group. These songs that I that I pick, there's a story behind them, or the lyrics are more significant than yeah. your average, you know, nothing but a good time kind of kind of lyrics. Yeah, who wants to have a good time anyway? <laughs> man, I could listen to Corey sing the freaking phone book, man. <laughs> and listen to the drums. Such a great voice. Listen to the drums here. Isn't that cool? Great talent. All of them. This next song is my second favorite living oh, cover yeah? song. Yeah. This is a nice little ah, soothing. Nice little ballad. Yeah. It's good. It's it, it but it shows their range, man. Yeah. So Vernon Reed co-founded a, a group called the Black Rock Coalition in 1985 to support the development and exposure of black alternative music. Yeah. And there was a poet that was in that group named Tracy Morris. And when he was writing this song, he got her to work on the lyrics. He was having trouble with the lyrics. So this is credited to Reed and Morris. Do y'all remember when this song came out on the radio? I do. I remember it. I don't. I mean, he's picking up. Um, I don't remember it yet. This is another one that I like, the, the, the running bass in it. I love, I mean, listen, Corey's voice in this one is not, I, obviously, Cult Personality is my favorite. Uh, Glam- Glamour Boys, which you're going to cover in a few, is yep. awesome. This is such a, it's such a powerful song, though. It's, it's a song, you can tell, you can tell this is a personal kind of uh, journey for Corey and, and, and the group. But. Yeah, yeah. So the inspiration for this song, um, at the time, the East Village in New York City was being gentrified. Yep. And so a number of long time, long term tenant tenants were being kind of forced out and they were being replaced by yuppies. You remember yuppies? Oh yeah. And this is this is so the situation was is you had multiple generations of families that lived in the same apartment that the apartment was known as this family's apartment since like the thirties, forties. And then all of a sudden, like in like a 60-day period, they're gone. 
And so that's what kind of this song's about. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's uh, what are you? Why are you gutting this entire neighborhood? I do not remember this song. Uh, my favorite song about living color is nothingness yeah and that that came out in 1993 and that is okay. a very cool yeah song i like I mean, that song too yeah so they came out they they're actually still around oh. um still producing music uh they've they've had a, a couple of personnel changes but um i don't know i just i just get a kick out of it because the music is solid the lyrics are significant you know Every instrument, you know, it's there. This is not your standard, you know, fair. This is this is some pretty serious music. And I've been, I seriously, I've been playing the album through multiple times. Yeah, I'll year. do it too. I like this. And you got to think when they came out, when this when this was out, this was um, kind of the glam, a, a little bit of a glam rock yes. uh, re- renaissance kind of thing going on. And then some of the hair hair band like power. Then you got bands like Metallica making music. You got, you know, um, all kinds of hip-hop was on the rise. You got Boys to Men, and that kind of stuff is on the rise. Mm-hmm. So they got lost in the shuffle a little bit coming out, except for Cult of Personality. Right. Cult of Personality, the, the video on MTV was so strong that, like, it, it rose fast on the, on the video charts. And so they played this thing nonstop. This is back when MTV actually still played music. Right. <laughs> uh, you guys, none of you guys probably remember that, or, or unless you're in your 40s, you probably don't remember that. <laughs> but they did at one point play actual videos, and this video is so powerful. Go on YouTube and watch this video, or watch Cult Person- Personality video. It's funny, and actually, Glamour Boys video is pretty funny too. If you watch yeah. it, this is this is a this is a hard hitting song, so it's a little more emotional. Right. Well, and that was another thing, John. You mentioned the, the hair bands. This was during a day when the commercial industry had really latched on to hair bands, and they were pumping them out just as fast as they could. And this is a group that did not fit well in that hair band yeah, they, category. Yeah, they were definitely that square peg trying to find a round hole. Because, mm-hmm. really, if they would have came out three years later, it would have been, you know, they would have been perfect, in, I would think, in the grunge movement. You know, yeah. I, this makes me think a little bit of the tubes for some reason. Like I could see the tubes playing this so- this yeah. specific song. Yeah, they could do that for sure. Mm-hmm. And his voice is even similar to the uh, well, lead singer. And that's the thing; it is it's difficult to pigeonhole what the group is about. Yeah. And I think that's part of the you know they evolve through so many different genres of music before settling on rock. If they if they come to Atlanta, I'm gonna go see them. Yeah, that'd be fun. And this is called Open Letter. To a landlord. Open letter <laughs> to a landlord. I should have mentioned that. They have the, a lot of the a lot of their lyrics are um, super clean, and then they do this song. It's kind of a lot of overlapping. This next song is a real fun song, though. Oh yeah, it is. It is. There's your train, Rob. Yeah, like it. Rob loves a good train. I do. <laughs> When it's not going through the background of what the riff, that's <laughs> yeah. right. So this is the third single from the album. This had to chart pretty high. I remember this one, yeah. obviously. Yeah. This one got a lot of help from MTV as well. It is about men obsessed with high society. This 
sort of has a reggae background beat. Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of these guys. If, if you're, if you've got jazz background, yeah, you can do just about any genre. You know that this is hard rock jazz. I, I was trying to think, trying to, you know, you were talking about what we're pigeonholed these guys in. Yeah. But you're right. They're they're talented, but you can tell they're educated in their, what their music. So they 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 go that next level. I don't know. Turn it up to eleven. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. There's a here's a genre description: symphonic rock and avant-garde metal. Well, I mean, in cult personality, they're literally headbanging. Yeah, I mean, that's right. He had his hair going all over the place. It's I remember. Amazing. Yeah, cornrows. Yeah. So they got a guy on backing vocals that uh, that's been around the the rock genre for a while. His name's Mick Jagger. <laughs> yeah, you ever heard of that guy? <laughs> Jagger came to know the band through working with bassist Doug Wimbush, and, and Wimbush would replace Skilling as the bassist of Living Color in 1992. And he heard them play at the CBGB. That's where they yeah. really got there. They ah. cut their chops at the CBGB club. And I heard them and liked what he heard. He produced a couple of their demos. Um, really, Jagger was a big help in getting the band noticed in the music industry, which... It was a little bittersweet for George, for Vernon Jordan. He kind of, you know, wanted to make it on his own, but, you know, it, it is what it is, I suppose. Tough to slap away a hand that's going to help you like Mick Jagger. That's true. Yeah, that's true. The, um, yeah, so you gotta, if I just put perspective on this, at this time, if he, the, the, Style of uh, clothing and stuff was mm. so wild. This uh, this song, if you watch the video, you'll see that. Yeah, bold it, colors. It, it really displays that. Yeah. All right, top hits of July 1988. The Flame by Cheap Trick. Surprised they had a hit that late, but I mean, that was a huge hit for yeah. them. Mercedes Boy by Pebbles. Don't remember that. Pour some sugar on me, Def Leppard. Yeah. In the name of love. New Sensation in Excess. I think we covered that album. Hold On to the Nights by Richard Marks and Roll With It, Steve Winwood. There we have it. I mentioned Living Color is still active. They, they went into the studio to record their seventh studio album in December of 2022. Wow. That's, so, a, a, that's a COVID uh, album. That's right. But they've, they've been bouncing around with either doing an EP or a, a studio album. They haven't put out that many albums. I think it's, I think you know, seven albums. I would like for them to just go nuts on metal or something. You know, just be a metal, metalhead type album. It'd be pretty cool. Cause I can hear it back there. I can hear it back there, just kind of. Yeah. That real rough little thrash. Yeah. Well, they've proven they can do it. So. That's awesome, Bruce. Thank so. you. My credit's no good. There we have it. <laughs> Thank you. Now we're going to move on to our entertainment track brought to us by Monkey Ranch Brewing in Swanee, Georgia. And this is Hippie Hippie Shake by the Georgia Satellites. Yeah, and there was a movie out that was a romantic comedy called Cocktail starring Tom Cruise. You guys remember yeah, that? This oh is when gosh, Tom Cruise yeah. could do no wrong. It's almost like Tom Cruise would be in these movies that were about just random things like yeah. being a bartender, being a race car driver, be, you know. Sports agent. Yes. I remember uh, Tom Cruise like flipping the bottles all over the place yeah. and like, catching them behind his back and stuff. Exactly. That's so fun. That's a fun movie. All right. The Christmas film. 
Die Hard came out. There in, we go. In July of 1988. Yippee Kaye. <laughs> Bruce Willis and Alan Merkman are in that. The Deadpool. You guys remember Dirty Harry uh, with Clint Eastwood? A Fish Called Wanda. That was John Cleese, Jamie Lee Curtis, Kevin Klein, and Michael Palin. I saw that. That's a, actually a very good, I funny movie. I haven't seen that in a long time. I need to see that again. Another funny movie that was kind of a dark comedy, Midnight Run. It had Robert De Niro and Charles Grodin. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like a buddy. Yep, I remember know, that. Action road movie. The guy didn't, wouldn't fly. Sequels that came out. All right, here are all the sequels. You think sequels were bad. Caddyshack 2. Terrible. Terrible. Phantasm 2. Terrible. Short Circuit 2. Terrible unless you really love Short Circuit Unless one. you're a little kid. And look who's talking to, which <laughs> featured the song Glamour Boys. Yeah. From Living Color. Arthur 2. Nice. Big big Top Pee Wee. Now let's go to our staff picks. Yeah, we're still in July 1988. And the reason why is because... This came back on the charts because of the movie Cocktail. And if you don't know who that is, that is Little Richard. Little Richard had a bit of a renaissance at this point. Yes, exactly. And this is Tutti Frutti, his biggest hit. And, I mean, he's one of the founders of rock and roll. I mean, golly. I mean, he's, you know, energetic. I mean, I mean, come on. A wop, bop, a loo, bop, a lamb, bam, boom. Come on. Little Richard had a kind of renaissance, and then James Brown, if yeah. I remember correctly, yeah. yes, kind of came back around yep. around this time. Now, you guys know where he's from, right? He's from Georgia, isn't he? Yeah, Macon, Georgia. He wrote this song as a dishwasher at a bus station down in Macon, Georgia. So I respect it. There's a lot, a lot of good music that came out of Macon, Georgia. There's a reason that the Georgia Music Hall of Fame is there. So the original lyrics part of this is Tutti Frutti, good booty. If it's tight, it's all right. If it's greasy, it makes it easy. And if you know anything about about Little Richard, he kind of swung both ways. So you could have taken it as it came. But, yeah, there was uh, they brought a female woman in to try to take out this bodiness of this song but uh yeah i mean what she changed was tutti frutti ah rudy r-o-t-t-r-o-o-t-y and that's a slang for saying all right so it's tutti frutti all right didn't know that that is absolutely news to me i had no idea what this song was about other than it it had a good beat it that's right. Makes you want to dance. Well, I mean, this combined at the time, boogie, blues, gospel. I mean, if you know anything about Little Richard, there's a catalog out there and download it. Pat Boone did a wider version of this because at the time, a lot of white stations would not play it. What's funny is Pat Boone's version went to number 12. Little Richard's only went to 17. Hmm. All right. Well, now we're going to move on to our next staff pick, brought to us by John Lynch. Yeah. You're going to hear the the vocals of Brett Michaels coming in. A little bit of Poison, a little C.C. DeVille. All right. This is uh, Nothing But a Good Time by Poison. I think I might have referred to Nothing But a Good Time earlier here. 
Sorry about that. I didn't mean to throw off on no, the music. No, I love it. I love, I love the, the, the circle is complete. <laughs> the circuit comes around. So it's Brett Michael, CC DeVille, Ricky Rocket, and, and Bobby Dell uh, formed their group. And uh, they were basically the glam rock slash hair band crossover kind of feel. Absolutely. And this song was a hit for them, a single off of, the, of uh, their, their initial album. I love this song. This is a great song. Classic. I, I know Bruce and I went to the concert. Uh, Brett Michaels, uh, Starship, and there was someone else that was there. There's a three, three kind of three people who played, and, and strictly they played for 45 minutes an hour, mm-hmm. and we had a great time. Yeah, it was. Was, was it Poison time. or just Brett Michaels? Just Brett Michaels. Brett Michaels. Okay. I know back in back in the days, back in the eighties and nineties, they toured around with like at one point they were with almost everybody. I mean, you know, they you, they show up in your show up with Def Leppard, they show up with uh, um, like Aerosmith that they tour with a little bit. Um, just about anybody, anybody they could get on with. They should but. probably show up on a Progressive commercial. I mean, Geico commercial. They should. They should. <laughs> Nothing but a good. It's a it's a fun song. It's you know it's not deep. There's there's you know it's not it's not poetry, but it's, it's a party song. Yeah, it's a, it's a good party song. Well, this is that hair metal glam rock reprise that came out. I remember hearing this on the beach. I got I got married at the end of July 1988, and uh, I remember being out, you know, down at Panama City Beach and just hearing this song playing. Full, full blast. Well, you know the reason they wrote they wrote this song. This song was written because they were literally living in a warehouse in L.A. and they had no money. Mm-hmm. They had, they could barely get by. They could barely afford to go anywhere, pay for gas, eat, whatever. And, and they were trying to make it big. And so they wrote this song, and they were like, "We literally don't need nothing but a good time." <laughs> <laughs> because we literally don't have nothing that's but right. a good time. It's a good thing that this is all we need because that's all we got. That's literally all we have, <laughs> and it worked out. So you know, when you got nothing, you don't know you don't have anything. Sometimes now, kids, we don't recommend that you move to LA and live in a warehouse. And, Absolutely not, and sing these things. But it does work out for some. It does, apparently. Yeah, Brett. Can you can see them sitting in a warehouse just going, "Oh my God, what are we?" <laughs> now we could get into how poison. You know, they they definitely push that androgynous look with the makeup. Oh the yeah. Makeup. Like I said, that resurgence of glam rock. They they, they had that kind of um, that late '80s beach bum kind of thing going for them. I mean, a little bit. Nice. I'm going to present this next one here. has an unusual sound. I thought this was Art of Noise when it first came out. It sounds similar to that. Uh, I remember hearing this a lot in 1993 to 94 on 99X, which was an alternative station. There was kind of a resurgence of 80s music on 99X in the 90s. Yeah, this is when they sold out because they were punk rockers early on. This this is uh, Susie and the Banshees, and it was released in July of 1988. The song is called Peekaboo. Believe it or not, this was their ninth album. Oh, yeah, they were... 
They were influenced by the Sex Pistols when they first came out. They're pure English punk. Yep. And I really didn't listen to much other than the, than this one. I remember this one for sure. Somebody described it as Oriental marching band hip hop. <laughs> With a catchy accordion. That's a what an amazing description. Listen. It almost sounds like it's backwards to me. Yes. So yeah. I looked it up. And on Wikipedia it uh, they described that it was built on a loop in reverse of a brass part with drums, which the group previously arranged a year before as a cover of John Cale's gun. Huh. Hmm. And they selected different parts, and they played it backwards, editing them, re-recording on top of it, and adding a different melody. You could totally hear it. And then Susie uses a different microphone for each line of the song. Oh, really? Why? Just to make it different. I mean, listen to it. It's just like, that's the whole thing. It was just like, let's, let's create a song that sounds like no other song. So Susie Sue is your lead singer. Her her real name is Susan Ballion, but Susie Sue, the way it's spelled, as in the Sioux Native American tribe. Right. Yeah. She formed this band with a guy named Stephen Severin, uh, and they had had Marco Peroni on guitar and a drummer whose real name was John Ritchie, otherwise known as. Sid Vicious. Oh. <laughs> I like her voice. It's nice yeah. and smooth. Yeah. yeah. It's a pretty filthy song if you really get into it. Yeah. This was their first single to chart in the U.S., and it reached number 53. And it I remember at, it. it. It peaked at number 16 in the U.K. Like I said, they were called sellouts, I want to say, on this album. Yeah, but if you go to backwards brass and an accordion, yeah. can you really be considered a sellout? I think yeah. you're innovation. Yeah, they were trying to, yeah. Hope you enjoyed that. I hadn't heard it in a while. I love it. All right, now we're going back to the man who brought us the album. And what do you have here, Bruce? Uh, I know what you have. we down, way down. Yeah, man, I want to get in a car and go real slow. This is a sad stark song and I love it this is Fast Car Tracy Chapman what a unique voice she has isn't it though It's a, she's in that singer songwriter genre I was at the time I really enjoyed I enjoyed Tracy Chapman I enjoyed Suzanne Vega the 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 song, singer female singer songwriters but she released her album in April and Fast Car was the lead single but in July, she appeared at the Nelson Mandela 70th birthday tribute concert as a down ticket act. And so Stevie Wonder was going to be the special guest star, surprise guest star. And just before he went on stage, his keyboard hard disk went missing. Oh. So they're like, okay, what are we going to do? And they pushed Tracy Chapman out there on stage in prime time, just a microphone and her guitar. And she played this song, mm. and it shot up the charts. This is the resurgence of all that. Pop 
you know, bread, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know, just the, the folk rock scene that was coming around. Folk rock is a good description, but I heard this one on 96 Rock at really? the time. Believe it or not. I heard this song over and over and over and over and over and over again. I got sick of it. I have to say, I'm, I mean, I'm glad you're bringing it because I haven't heard it in a while. Mm-hmm. But I was not a fan. It was, it was very popular. It went to number six on the Billboard Hot 100. And she won Best Female Pop Vocal Performance in the Grammys yeah. for this song. Which added to the airplay. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> which, which one do you like? You like this song or give me one reason more? I like this song the best. Just because I, I'm, I'm, I kind of gravitate to that melancholy, and this is that just can't break out of that cycle of poverty thing. You know, the uh, this couple has gotten married; they've got a kid. She's working in a, a convenience store. He's out at the bar with his friends, never sees the family, and she was trying to break out of this from her father, who was who had been an alcoholic and now she's like you know look we gotta you know we've got to do something leave tonight or live and die this way she's she's so young when she made this song yes i mean what a soulful what a what a deep river kind of soul she has i mean sure You know, I've said before, I wasn't a big fan of Bob Dylan, and I think it's a similar kind of thing. So I don't need to bring Indigo Girls in. Huh? <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, I would. That'd be late 90s anyways. No, 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 no. It's right it's, in here. Oh, I saw the Indigo Girls in, in 88. Oh, yeah. did you? Oh, okay. yeah. Okay, maybe oh, yeah. it was. Yeah. Maybe yeah, it was yeah. A little yeah, they're five similar. Little pub down in Atlanta. Yeah. I love I love this. I love this, a good story just told beautifully. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, and and the music, the way that the music keeps coming back to this this one acoustic part that's just over and over. It kind of, I don't know, it reemphasizes to me the the cycle, you know, that there's just hmm. no way out of this. It's just very bleak, very stark. She sounds as good today as she did then too. If you've heard her lately. Well, she's done. The thing I like too is that she stayed in a range that was very. Yeah accessible you know I think that's one of the problems that folks have is they you know if you're doing the Getty Lee you know way right. up high it's very difficult <laughs> David to Lee Roth to <laughs> yeah can't keep up with it I was it. thinking all those journey songs with Steve Perry on. oh yeah I'll tell you this man I saw uh, Billy Joel and he could still hit those high notes nice wow so, I mean that I mean I mean I was impressed uh, we saw the B-52s, and Cindy couldn't hit yeah, those that low was, notes anymore. That was not as good. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I enjoyed it still. Yeah, it was great, great, great. But it, yeah. I'd like to see Tracy Chapman live. She, I bet that'd I be a fun be a little chill kind of concert. So, and then it just kind of, it just kind of ends. Like life. Wow. Yes, light light. It got darkened. Well, we're going to get on to some of the things as this goes on of, of music of July of 19. This yeah. next song is yeah. very sad as well. Yeah, yeah, this one, this this song here is, is, is was, was it in the movie or TV show or is this, was there no. a hit? No, this was, this was the hit that got, it, got them on the charts. Okay. It's also a very sad song. Yeah, yeah it's super sad. This is DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. Yeah. Also known as Will Smith. Yeah. Parents just don't understand. Yeah. 
was tongue-in-cheek comedy song. It was actually pretty good. And obviously, turn that into a movie star, you know. So. All right, music, July 1988. Stevie Wonder announces he'll run for mayor of Detroit in 1992. But he doesn't follow through. <laughs> I can't see it. Sting performs his first rainforest benefit at the Kennedy Center in Washington, D.C. You guys remember those? We're trying to save the rainforest. I do. Yeah, I remember that. They were, I guess, clear-cutting How did it work? Amazon. How did that work out? Uh, I think the Amazon's still there. So still I guess, I guess so. it worked. Yeah. <laughs> now we got a website for it. All right. The radio station WYHY offers $1 million. $1 million. To anybody that can prove Elvis was still alive. That's a that's an easy offer since exactly. we, we all know he was not. <laughs> all right, some albums that came out of July 1988. Slayer, South of Heaven. Crowded House, Temple of Low Men. Mm. Brian Wilson from the Beach Boys had his own debut album. Pat Benatar, Wide Awake in Dreamland. Thompson Twins actually had their greatest hits album that came out. And Blue Oyster Cult had... Imagine, I guess. Imagine those. I don't know. I'm sorry. I don't remember it, and they were pretty much past their time at that time. They they had that resurgence because of the Police Academy uh, yeah. movies. They got they kind yeah. of brought back in because of that. Well, that and the Saturday Night Live skit. That's right. Yeah, the yeah, Saturday Night Live skit too. Yeah, and TV in July 1988, the first edition of Shark Week is on Discovery Channel. What a show oh that gosh. turned out to be. 88. Oh, my goodness. How many years of that? Okay, here's the situation. My parents went away on a week's vacation. <laughs> Uh-oh. Yeah. Parents, if you know anything, you got teenagers. You don't leave your teenagers alone. Have you ever? Yeah. <laughs> Did you ever have that opportunity? Did you oh, ever- absolutely. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, my mom left to Keys to uh, a brand new uh, white vet, and she went on a week vacation. Literally went on a week vacation. And we were like, was that a, a Corvette or a Chevette? <laughs> it, was a, it was a white Corvette. Oh, nice. Uh, it was beautiful. Like, and we only took it out once to, yeah. to, to fill it. But I mean, Then you had to put it up on a blocks. And- yeah, then we ran the wheels backwards, and then it <laughs> fell out of the uh, glass uh, case. I mean, that, you know, when you're, you're the first time your parents leave you at home and you're a teenager and you're just like, oh, my goodness. Of course, they tell you, don't have anybody over. And what yeah. do you do? You have people over. You have people sneak it in. Don't park in front of the house. Go through the backyards of the neighbors and I'll unlock the basement door. <laughs> <laughs> He's telling himself now. Hey, they we were, all know now. We were poor. My parents never left, so. Except for, you know, going out to dinner or something like that. You couldn't invite people into the teepee? <laughs> <laughs> well, we had those cardboard walls, you know. So. <laughs> in the, in the, yeah, the pallets. <laughs> yeah. Our house had wheels, you know. That's all I got to say. All right. Well, you've been listening to What the Riff. We've been in July of 1988. I'm Wayne. I'm Rob. I'm John. And I'm Bruce. Your parents don't understand, but we do. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I was arrested. The car was impounded. There was no way for me to avoid being grounded. Thanks for listening to What the Riff. We hope you enjoyed the songs we had on tap today. Please tell your friends about us. Check us out at whattheriff.com and follow us on Facebook. Special thanks to our sponsors, Monkey Wrench Brewing, 
Stanton Electric, and Marbury Creative Group. That's all for this week. See you next week on What the Riff?